What's up, Real Sports fam? Welcome to episode 21 of the Real Sports Podcast. On this episode, we are the champions. We're talking, recapping our charity basketball tournament, the Monday Mailbag, and a special guest, Ravens Director of Social Media and Talent, Garrett Downing. So let's get it. What's up, Real Sports fam? It's your host, Jack Settleman from Real underscore sports on Snapchat, a 1 million following Snapchat account. Give it a follow if you don't. With me is my teammate from the championship squad, Abe. What do you got to say? We've had what now? uh, I'd say the game ended at 9, about 20 hours to soak in, 19 hours. And hey, 364 more days till the quest for ring number two. That's all I'm thinking about now. I've enjoyed it last night. I can't move a bone in my body. Uh, I've been on the couch all day. My body's breaking down. Uh, I could use some cryotherapy and the correct footwear. But what a day. What a day, man. What a day. I'm 23 years old and we played basketball. I cannot imagine, like, what is like a 35-year-old defensive lineman in the NFL feel like after after a game? Why don't you ask the big man that we played with in the semifinals? Guy was a monster. He was, he was a brick house. So let's just get started on the recap. First of all, thank you, Real Sports fam. Thanks to you guys. Real Sports raised almost $2,000. Our team, trust the process. No, I did not agree to that team name, but I, I was left with oh, no choice. You trusted it. You trusted it. I did trust. We raised 6500 and uh, the Live to Ball community raised over, I believe, $140,000 for cancer research. So really awesome, and that's the most important part of the tournament. But uh, there is a competition. The there is a competition the, to be had. There is a basketball tournament to be played in ankle socks for your boy. I actually wore um, ankle socks also. Someone called me out in DMs. But, like, I don't really consider ankle sucking when you wear the 3 fourth. Uh, legging tights or whatever. I feel like the tube yeah. sock with or the mid calves with the tights. It's not a good look. So I went ankle, but I did have the tights. So that's. I mean, you're the captain of ankle sock gang. So you counting that or no? What what shoes were you rocking? My I wasn't Kobe's. My, my white Kobe's. Are they lows or are they like yeah. kind of mid? No, they're the Kobe ones that uh. Yeah, you you were dripping. I for the first time ever played in a uh, a sleeve, a Nike sleeve. It actually, I thought it was just gonna look kind of cool, but it actually looks really dumb. <laughs> but it is it is helpful. It really does prevent sweat from dripping onto your hands. So that was a good tip I learned. So game one, and to be clear, Abe and I played in the tournament last year together. Uh, he's now played three years. This was my second year, but every year our trust the process squad. We always have the same court. Just, we just come out flat. And what do we do again this year? We come out flat Brutal. and we lose, we lose game one. Uh, we're essentially, there's only two games in the first, first round. And uh, if you don't go two and oh, you need some help. So I kicked the wall when I get subbed out with like 10 seconds left. 
I think I come pretty close to, to breaking my foot. Uh, some serious bruising today. But uh, I, I, I was keeping the people updated on the Snapchat. Uh, we eat lunch. We kind of regroup. And we stick out a one-point win that comes down to a fadeaway three uh, from the other team. That was, that was a good game, though. That was back and forth the entire time. like Back and forth, gritty performance. So we're on court two. And on court one and court three, you can literally see both courts. We need each team to win. And I think one team won by two points, and the other team wins by four points. We go ahead with 40 seconds left, thanks to the MVP of the tournament, Sherm, uh, who hits a, hits a nice bank shot with 40 seconds to play. So we, I mean, talk about sneaking into the semifinals. But because we didn't take care of business in game one, it leaves us with uh, a semifinal matchup against the champs, the three-time champs. Talk about Wani and the, the yeah, stalwart. So this made. tournament, this Live to Ball charity tournament, has been going on for maybe it's been four years, three years, because we're the fourth, yeah. Uh, it's been going on for three years before this year. And there's this one team. Um, they're a bunch of buddies. They're a little older than Jack and I. They grew up together, best friends, and they – there's some grown men on that team. Uh, they're big. They play physical. They play smart. It's they're they're running an offense. They know what they're doing. They 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 have the chemistry, and they didn't drop a single game in tournament history the past three years. Running through people, three time champs with no problem. We've lost to them twice in the past. Actually, last year we played them in the semifinals, similar to what we did this year, and we were we played a perfect half of basketball in that first half, and we were up by only one, by the skin of our teeth, just because um, one of our buddies banked in a like a 30-footer at the buzzer just to take the lead. The energy was high, came out flat in the second half, and lost last year in that semifinal game. But uh, this year was a different story. We came with the energy. We knew that we, we didn't play our best ball in the morning, and we had to come out hot after lunch. But... I'll let you take it from here, Jack, to talk about the X's and O's. So we come out, we know what we're, we're up against, and we just decided we just have to play crazy energy. And it's just going to start on the defensive end. No one's that good. The rims are tough. It's tough to make jumpers. So just force teams to kind of make jump shots and live with the results. So we come out and we hold them to eight first half points. Granted, granted we only scored 12. Yeah, so we only scored 12, so we really were focused on the defensive end. But then we uh, they kind of hit back-to-back threes, get an M1, and they take a one-point lead. Evan, a.k.a. John Gruden, who we've had on the pod before, comes right back, gives us a two-point lead the second they got their first lead, and we never looked back. We held on. We kind of just, you know, we confused them. We, we hit them in the mouth figuratively. Uh, no one had played with that energy against them. No one had focused that much defensively. So there was real shock from them. Uh, but we knew that we still had a job to be done. Uh, so the tide had really turned. Gay after game one, you know, we thought we're going home from the tournament after just two short games. Now we're looking at a finals appearance against the team we had lost to in game one. Everything and the tournament is full circle, you know. It's like a storybook ending almost. Circle. Yeah. So it's setting up to be a storybook ending. 
Uh, we're playing Camp Nakamixon at Camp Nakamixon, where the tournament's hosted. They got us in game one. We come back game two in the championship under the lights, everyone rooting against us. You know, we fell behind again. We kind of came out low energy. It's a very long day for a team that doesn't play together except for one day a year and for for a bunch of older guys who just don't run that much. So you're sore, you're hurting, and you just got to find it within yourself to kind of get up. We uh, Second half, we come out after trailing by four, and we push the lead back and forth game. They had some really good players, young players, older players. They just they seemed to match up with us really well. But somehow we squeaked it out. Shout, major shout out. Well, shout out to everyone on the team, but in the championship, my guy Benny Benny was hooping but off of Benny essentially had to be, had to be a torn hamstring. No, it's like Benny uh, Benny was struggling the entire day uh, with a, some type of hamstring injury. And his game was predicated off his athleticism, jumping really high, getting boards, pushing the ball in the fast break. And I swear to God, he looked at me with like eight minutes left in the championship game on the bench. He goes, yo, I think I'm fine. I think I can jump again. And he goes, <laughs> he checks in the game, and all of a sudden, it's just the Benny show. Like, he just gets the ball. He's jumping, snagging rebounds out of the air, taking it to the gut, getting to the foul line. Like, he, was, yeah. he, he brought us home. He truly did. But uh, it took a, a lot – a whole team effort all around in those semis and the finals. And we're feeling it today for sure. But Jack, I wanted to, so let's, let's touch on our individual performances. I know we had this conversation yesterday, but we've, we've <laughs> given, we've given player comparisons in the past. Uh, let's give our player comparisons for each other for how each of us played yesterday. Uh, yesterday. I mean, I was my typical self, which is just every game is a new mystery. You know, I could be great. I could be great for a five minute spurt. I could be bad for a three minute spurt. Um, I was all over the place, which is why I always like to compare myself to Russ because, um, you know, he just goes and waves. Obviously he's always playing at elite level. I think because I finally had, uh, in my Monday City League, you know, I'm a main facet scoring-wise, but in this league we had options to score the ball, which is my preference. So I kind of take a, uh, a point guard seat more than a shooting guard spot. So I like the Lonzo ball comparison for yesterday. I think just defensively playing hard, distributing the ball, and then just leading the team is, is where I feel like I graded out. What about you? No, I agree. Uh I think that I said that to you yesterday. I said you're playing like Lonzo today, except you did hit a nice three pointer in the championship. I didn't see where that was coming from. Yeah, it's a t- you know timely baskets and teamwork really were what carried us. You hit two threes in the semis. I mean, Girth hit a three. Your brother hit some floaters. Max hit a shot in the semis. Everyone, we had the most timely buckets, and I think that's essentially what led to the championship. Right, I agree. Everyone was just playing their role. In terms of what I, how I'm going to evaluate myself from yesterday, uh, I definitely didn't open up too hot. I haven't played in a little while. <laughs> I've been I've been working out. I just had to get a feel for the tournament. Um, thankfully, my teammates, I was able to contribute in other ways. Uh, my teammates had the back. We pushed it to the semifinals, and then I think that's when I started to come alive. Uh, I wanted to take on a bigger role defensively. Guarded one of their good players. Uh, hit a few timely buckets in the semis in the finals so i'm gonna go with pat beverly for uh my comparison throughout the tournament yesterday 
I think I think it does an injustice to your actual style of play, but I think what he represents, which is the gritty team player, because in the semifinals, your defensive abilities really carried us, which was huge. Um, Beverly, he's not really a shooter like I, I picture you as, but you did say, I think you were Maybe probably, Dan- Danny Green? Yeah, I, I would go more Danny Green because Danny Green hates making layups, as did you yesterday until the championship. Um <laughs> Got one and one. Got got the M one. Like I said, timely buckets and yeah, just defensively was huge for us. Um, so that was it. Was a lot of fun. The tournament was. Uh, we're coming for another ring next we're coming year. Coming for another ring if we're recovered by then. At this current moment, I don't even know if three hundred sixty-four days will be enough. <laughs> Wait, don't you have a Don't you have a game in twenty-four I hours? Do. That's TBD. If I'm gonna, if I wake up in the morning <laughs> and I can't walk like I can right now. We're going to have to figure that out. Wow. Your team needs a big win this week too, right? You're going to bail on I them? I know. That's the issue. It's like uh, I need some some Advil, some uh-huh. food, and we'll figure it out. Yep. All right. Uh, and then thank you guys once again for uh, helping us raise much appreciated for cancer research. That was awesome. So let's get into the Monday mailbag. First question. This is a fun one from Joshua Geyer. What up, Joshua? What, what's up, Josh? What city state has the best duos from each diff, from different sports? So we'll throw out some examples: uh, Milwaukee, Green Bay, kind of Giannis, Aaron Rodgers, Houston. Wait, those are two different cities in Wisconsin. Yeah, but it's like a city state. He was saying so in Wisconsin, uh, Houston, JJ Watt and Harden. L.A., LeBron and Darnold, you threw out Harper and Embiid, uh, Lamar Jackson and our backup catcher for the Orioles could be in play. Uh, Kyle Lowry and every player in the NHL. <laughs> uh, there's probably someone in New York, maybe Durant now. You could pair him with like Aaron Judge. Durant and – yeah. I'm going to go. It has to be s- some – California combo, whether it's LeBron and Aaron Donald, LeBron, I'll say LeBron and Trout, or even you could say Kawhi and Trout. It's just Cali seems to have all the you can't, talent. You, yeah, I mean, well, the big markets are going to get the big players, but you cannot say Kawhi and Trout because Kawhi is not the best player in his own state. Um, but I'm going to mix it up and go Trout and Donald. Okay. Trout, Trout, greatest baseball player of all time, in my opinion. Um, and Aaron Donald, the best player in NFL right now. He's an absolute animal. I feel like I'm seeing a new video of his – I don't even know how much he weighs, like 280 or something, yeah. moving moving like a, a running back in and out of pads and, and drills during practice, like training with knives, which I'm going to assume is fake, but I'm not going to challenge him <laughs> at the same time. Um, but he was just a freak of nature. It's actually – me and my buddy the other day were watching on YouTube Aaron Donald highlights – and he just absolutely obliterates people. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go Trout and Donald. I'm staring away from the from the NBA because I know you, you'll try and argue Kawhi, LeBron, blah blah blah. But yeah, Trout and Donald. But there are there are plenty of other duos out there. It, you think of like the uh, the Nikola Jokic's and Joe Flacco's of the world. <laughs> That's a really good one. So you could argue LeBron's the best player in basketball. Donald's the best player in football. Trout's the best player in baseball. They're all Cali. But you could also argue that Giannis coming off an MVP is the best player in basketball. And Rodgers 
is the best player in football. A lot of people like to say that. Wait is there a, a Boston Wait a combination? Second. One just came to me. Yeah. Listen, would you rather have Giannis and Rodgers or Giannis and Yelich? Oh, that's a good that's question. A good one. I, you know how high he's I'm debatably the, He's in the MVP race this year. Yep. Oh, and that's another LA kid, Bellinger, right now. The other, the other one contending for the award. So, Cali is stacked. Milwaukee or Wisconsin is sneaky stacked. I don't want to throw shade to Watt and Harden, but they're just not in that category. I, I think no. this is a question we definitely post on RS Pod and hear some fun little combos. Because sure. I like the Flacco, I like Flacco Jokic. Um, I just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of any other random ones. Yeah. All right, so we'll do that. Marcus Mariota and Ja Morant. <laughs> I don't know. That's not a bad one. Nola, Breeze, and Zion maybe in a year. Yeah. Um, all right, this is a question from our chief content officer, Teddy Sawyer. Uh, which quarterback who's going to be playing their first year on the team? is going to have the best season, which one will have the worst. So a list, a short list or examples include Kyler. So all the rookies, Kyler, Daniel Jones potentially, but then like Foles, Flacco. Um, I wish Garoppolo could be on the list, but he technically played it. I kind of count that. I count that. Yeah, yeah. let's put Garoppolo on there. I'll, I'll allow that. Okay, so with or Fitzpatrick and Rosen. So with that being said, who do you like? Uh, I'm going to take my, my guy, Nick. Uh, I've kind of come around on the Jaguars. I know we had this argument a few weeks ago, but I don't know. Recently, I'm not as high on the Texans this year. Um, the Colts, who knows what Andrew Luck's status will be. So Jacksonville, they're, they're growing on me. I'm kind of starting to agree with you. Um, I think their defense is good enough. And if Nick can be Nick, the Nick that I know he is, and the Nick that I know he is is – magical, yep. then they're in for a treat. So I'm going to steer away from the rookies just because, well, I was big on Kyler, and then I watched um, their preseason game on ESPN the other night with Oakland. And, I mean, it's one preseason game. Granted, they're not game planning and everything. But that offense looks like it, it cannot work out. Like, they're going to get third and 20 every possession. Kyler's dropping back 12 yards and then just getting um, the pass, like two yards past the line of scrimmage. I just don't know how that's going to work. I'm going to steer clear with the rookies and stay with Nick. I'm curious uh, who, like, how much preseason actually like is indicative of the regular season. Not wins and losses, but like how an offense or a defense looks. Because first of all, the Cardinals' defense, if it's any indication, they're going to let up 50 a game. Uh, but yeah, they've looked super concerning. I'm going to say. If we're including Garoppolo, I think he could have some big things in order this season. He was supposed to be huge. I know he's had a ton of injury problems, but it sounds like they put a decent defense around him. He has weapons with Kittle and Marquise Goodwin. And, you know, the rest of the list leaves us with the other half of the question, which is who's going to have the worst? So is it Rosen Fitzpatrick? Is it Haskins? I think it's going to be Haskins. I think if, and I like Haskins. I just think it's going to be a tough situation for him. They lack a lot of weapons. He's going to be thrown into the fire in a tough, tough division. Uh, it's not really that tough, but for him, it'll be tough. And it just seems like he's going to take time to adjust to uh, to the NFL. Yeah, I like the Haskins pick. Um, I was going to pick any rookie just because 
they're thrown in right away day one. It's not easy. Um, so Kyler could very well. I mean, the Cardinal Kyler could have a good year, but the Cardinals could be really bad. So however you want to determine that, um, nobody whoever starts a quarterback will be good in Miami. Um, <laughs> they're just going to be abysmal. So, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Haskins on that one. Um, the Dallas has a good front seven. Eagles have a great defense all around. The Giants are the Giants. So he's seeing some tough teams. We're playing um, some tough – we're playing the NFC North this year. They have a couple tough defenses. So Hassan's going to see a lot of tough teams in his opening year. So I don't know how that will fare for him. Yeah, I, I think Haskins – and then this is obviously – these guys have to be on the field. But I think if Haskins gets eight or more games, it'll be him. And then obviously oh. have to give a shout to Joe because I think I, I have Denver as a sneaky team potentially sliding into a wild card spot if he stays healthy. By the way, I couldn't be, I couldn't be less on the Jimmy Garoppolo train. Not because yeah. I think – not because I think he's bad – versus good or whatever, just because, like, this guy won two games in Bill Belichick's system where you and I have a shot of doing that. <laughs> um, and then Bill ships him to San Fran halfway through the year when there were rum- rumors that he might have wanted to make Garoppolo the next heir and trade Brady. Do you remember when that whole thing came out? Yeah. And, like, Kraft took Brady's side, whatever. Um, but And then he goes to San Fran in the middle of the season – wins five games and suddenly he has a 7-0 record in the NFL and he's the highest paid quarterback in the NFL like come on yeah like that's like paying that's like paying Cardell Jones just because he had that one magical run in Ohio State the last three games and they're the three biggest game he won five irrelevant games for the Niners two middle of the season um for the Patriots and then becomes the highest paid and then he carried, he was like one and two last year I think before he tore his ACL I'm not saying he can't be good but I am not buying his stock. Like I'm staying away from him in all levels, including fantasy, like predictions, betting. Like that's fair. I, I don't know what's good with him at all. No, that's fair. It's definitely a risk for me to take that. But I just want to say too small of a sample size. I agree. I would just say keep Twelve Gauge's name out of your mouth because he's <laughs> he's the man. Um, all right, some quick hitters. Reese Hare wants us to wish him happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy Reese. birthday. And happy birthday to the goat, Pablo Sanchez. Uh, Wow, Reese Pablo from Kennedy O nine one seven. Who scored more points in the charity tournament? I'm gonna assume it was me. Um, Just, I, you, I, I yeah. got to the line a lot. I yeah, I think yeah, you got to the you got to the line a lot. Yeah, definitely you. But, but hey, I that, gave my effort elsewhere on the court. Yeah, we're strapping. Um, all right, who's college football is next Saturday, so we finally have some live football action that matters, which is exciting. The game is Florida versus Miami. Uh, this question was asked by T Mason seventy eight. Who's going to win? I'm going to go Florida uh, because I just think let's let's just go over the Tate Martell story. So Tate Martell in 2015 starts talking trash to Texas A and M players, saying. He could he could start day one at A and M, then and then he like commits there. Then he decommits and then he commits somewhere else. Uh, he goes to Ohio State and he was saying he's going to start as a freshman. Obviously, he does not. Um, he's you know he continues to talk trash. Says that he's going to go and start at uh, Miami 
and then goes down to Miami. They let him transfer, immediately gets his eligibility, and he does not win the starting quarterback job. Another, I think a redshirt freshman or a sophomore wins it. And then this is the level of troll he's reached. They are now working him out to play him at wide receiver. <laughs> he went from the number one quarterback, number one recruit in the country, to now being have played decommitted and then played for multiple schools and being worked out as a wide out. Look, the kid talked trash, so I don't feel bad for him. Um, but that's just a crazy turn of events. I did some. I did some. Um, some more investigation on this myself, and I I understand why he he didn't make the team or he didn't win the starting job. Have you seen his girlfriend? Yeah, he's not focused <laughs> on the field. That's the problem. Uh, you can't watch film when your girlfriend looks like that. Yeah. Like, I'm also going to take Florida in this game just because it seems like Miami will be a shit show this year. Um, with this drama, like they brought in Manny Diaz as a coach. When he like hire, got hired at Temple like ten minutes before or something, it wasn't actually ten minutes, but like Manny Diaz committed to Temple and then said, "Nope, I'll go to Miami." Seems like there's a few drama around them all year. Oh shit, the Phillies lost again. I just got a notification. <laughs> Damn it. Um, but yeah, just start of the season with all this going around, all this hype, they'll probably lose. Yeah, so I'm gonna go Florida, and uh, but I'm just excited for college football to be back. College, oh, football. any any football, any football. Our next two pods are gonna be super fun. It's gonna be uh, f- uh, college football on Thursday's pod, and then I think we're gonna try and do fantasy for a week from uh, Monday. So that should be exciting. Stay tuned for that. All right. Well, before our special guest comes on, uh, we gotta hear from our, our sponsors over at Roman. Uh, these are how we pay for the giveaways. We just gave away a pair of uh, Kyrie's, didn't we? Did they? What a what SpongeBob character? He he picked the SpongeBob. He picked the SpongeBob one. So, in order to keep those giveaways going, we gotta get these ads in. And this one kind of speaks to me, being that I'm struggling today, sore from the tournament. But guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show that 70% of guys who experience ED do not get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for erectile dysfunction, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is so simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. Guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to, to get connected with a doctor. Call to action. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started, getroman.com slash bluewire. I love the call to action. Another another ad from our favorite sponsor, Harry's. Uh, guys, if shaving is a terrible experience for you, we've got you covered at Blue Wire. Our podcast network is teamed up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. 
Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes, and if you heard this before, a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3, ship right to your door. Enough with the low quality razors from convenience stores. I'm actually ordering Harry's later tonight. It's at, it's totally worth trying Harry's. Sign up today. Harry's is fixed shaving by cons- combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for just $3. All right. And now, on to our special guest, the director of social media for my favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens, Garrett Downing. Welcome, Garrett. How are you doing? We heard you just got to Philly. Eagles, Ravens on Thursday Thursday night, right? Yeah, Thursday night. We have two days of joint practices leading up to that preseason game. Uh, which should be fun. I mean, it's the, the dress rehearsal for the regular season. And uh, this these joint practices are always an exciting thing. They add a little bit of juice to the practice field. I think by this time of training camp, guys are done. They're kind of f- fed up hitting each other, the same guys every day. So uh, going to a new team and getting to practice with a really good team like the Eagles is a good thing for the Ravens. Well, I like how you finished that statement. Well, no, let me talk. So I like how you finished that statement. Really good team in the Eagles, but – I'm jealous of you. Up, up close view of my guys for this coming season. Um, I have my personal question marks about the Ravens, but I'm sure me and Jack will get into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, like I said, with these joint practices, like it, it really is a benefit to go up against a team like the Eagles for the Ravens because they're going to be one of the contenders in the NFC, um, and to spend two days of like getting after it in practice, I think that can only help both teams. So, um, and with the Ravens kind of rolling out this new offense, it'll be a good test to see how, how another defense does against it um, rather than just their own guys. So I, I think these, it, there's only positives that come out of these joint practices. Right. I, I actually love these joint practices. I feel like they're like a relatively new thing. Yeah. Um, within the last couple of years, they started really um, vamping them up. But you just get like the juicy videos that come out of it. It's like the everybody's inner competitor comes out for like the first time that season and just gets everyone really hyped for football, seeing guys go at it. Maybe a few fights break out. Hopefully not, nothing too serious. But it just gets the fans into it. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I think everyone's always nervous about the fights. Right. Um, and you, this is actually the second time the Ravens have done the joint practices this year. They also did it with the Jags uh, when Jacksonville came. And, Jack, you were there at that practice. Um and uh, but they, they they stayed clean, um, so that that was a good thing. So I don't know what really happened to the start of this, but I spent a lot of time with Garrett. I really liked him, and then we just opened with too much respect for the Eagles. <laughs> this, we got to acknowledge what's going on this week, Jack. We just got this has really gone in. We'll cover direction. all the ground. Don't worry, we'll cover your ground too. <laughs> a direction I didn't want to hear about, but. It is fair enough. I think before we get into more of uh, your backstory, Garrett, one thing on Ravens-Eagles, we have been, we being the Ravens, we haven't lost in 15 games in the preseason. Is that because of John as a coach? Is that more of an organizational mentality? Why do you think we're so successful in the preseason? Did you just put a jinx on it? it? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the jinx right there. It is, it is funny, the preseason champs. Um, I think, honestly, what it is is that the Ravens have a team historically that have been really good in terms of depth. Um, there's a lot of competition to make the roster. So those spots between, you know, those, those 45 through 53 on the roster, those are incredibly competitive spots. Ravens always have one of the best, best special teams units, uh, in the NFL. And I think that part of the reason for that, uh, is that they have really good depth players. And so in the preseason, you get a lot of guys who are depth players getting significant minutes in the third or fourth quarter. So I think that's a component of it. Um, I think that, you know, winning a winning culture is something that's that is stressed uh, from the top down, and so that even if it's the preseason, they prefer to win. Um, and so I think that those are the biggest reasons. And then also, you know, there's probably some kind of fluky things that go on in the preseason to make it so many straight games. But um, those are the two main things that I would kind of put my finger on as to why they've had so much success over the last several years in the preseason. Totally, and you you touched on us being great on special teams. Obviously, John was a special teams coach before he came to the Ravens, but one player that Abe and I are particularly interested in is Trace because uh-huh. Abe, Abe went to Penn State and watched him you know, all four years there. Is Trace going – so obviously he got the Taysom Hill comparisons because he's a dual-threat quarterback and he's kind of an aggressive guy. What's Trace's outlook at this point? Are we looking for him to be on special teams or with RG3 out, he's kind of more focused on the quarterback role? Well, he's getting, been getting a ton of reps at quarterback both in practice and the preseason games. He's probably the most interesting decision in terms of the 53-man roster in my mind. Uh, the Ravens oftentimes have not carried three quarterbacks on the roster, uh, but Robert Griffin has been dealing with a broken hand or the fractured thumb uh, over the course of the training camp. And they they may need Trace just from a standpoint of if Robert's not available as a backup for week one. Trace has done some special teams work. They've thrown him out there as like a gunner uh, on punt coverage. So he's getting reps uh, in that role, it's not like I've seen him make a ton of special teams plays or anything like that. I know there was talk of possibly having him return punts. Um, that hasn't, we haven't seen that lately at all, uh, really in practice and not in any of the preseason games. So I don't think that's going to be on the table for this year. Um, so I, I think that he's going to, if he's going to be on the 53, he, he will need to provide something on special teams. Um, and if he's going to be active on game days, he's definitely going to have to provide something on special teams. But his his future is one of the more interesting decisions I think the Ravens will have to make once they get down to that 53-man roster cut-down date after these next two preseason games. If Robert Griffin can't play, isn't ready for the, it's it's an easy decision. But if he's healthy, then I think it'll be a, a really interesting discussion. I'd love to be a fly on the wall as John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta sort all that out. Does, does he then go to the practice squad or it's more of a – Yeah. Okay. If he weren't on the 53, he would definitely – they would try to get him on the practice squad. The risk is right. if they cut him and try to put him on the practice squad, any other team could sign him. And so you run the risk of losing him if you go that route. So, I mean, I think I think the Ravens want – you know, if I were making a guess right now, I would say that he will, will be on the 53. But those last few roster spots, like as, as I was just talking about, are hard to come by. Um, and you're going to have to provide, you know, different elements beyond just, you know, the third string quarterback. You're also going to have to make an impact in other ways. And that would be special teams for Trace. Right. I think that um, 
Trace getting drafted, we all thought coming out of school that he would get drafted just because he did have so much success at Penn State. But to me, I was obviously not high on Trace. Um, if you've listened to past episodes, I'm kind of a – I'm a Penn State football fan, but I'm a realist and I just – You're a hater. So I'm, okay, I'm a little bit of a hater fan. But nonetheless, um, Trace was great for Penn State, but I think a lot of his success was more predicated upon the weapons that we had around him. Um, obviously he had Saquon with him and that's where all defenses attention went to, but he even had guys that are in the NFL right now, like Chris Godwin, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, Mike Jasicki, who a lot of our offense was just him chucking the ball deep, but him sitting back and being a pocket passer, you didn't really see much of him doing that back in school. And I, I don't see how he can develop that in the NFL. So I really do think that he's going to have to be like a Taysom Hill, just like, Maybe there's a play in the book for him once a game on a special occasion. Maybe not, but he's got to bring something other than just that arm because I don't think that'll keep him far enough in this league. The one thing, yeah, and go for it. Go, go, go ahead, Jack. <laughs> well, I was just I was just gonna say like the the Taysom Hill thing is interesting. The biggest difference though is that with Taysom Hill, when he comes into the game for the Saints, it's a change of pace because they have Drew Brees and he's your prototypical right. you know pocket passer, most accurate quarterback in the NFL. So when Taysom Hill comes in there, it's a change of pace. If Trace were to come in for the Ravens, that's not and try to do some of the things that Taysom Hill does. Well, the Ravens already have a starter in Lamar Jackson who does those things. So um, I, I'm curious to see now. You know, maybe you could get kind of crazy and creative and put both of them on the field for a trick play. Uh, but that's probably at most. If you're doing the trick stuff, I would think that's probably only once a game. At, maybe once at every most, yeah. And so, and you kind of have a Robert for that in that sense. Exactly. He can move. The one, the one thing about Tracer that Abe and I do agree on is, like, he's a tough, gritty, has that winning sure. mentality. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is what Raven football has always been about, which is why it just seems like he's the type of guy that would be a Raven. So we're, yeah. we're excited to see how that plays out. Uh, it's an interesting point you brought up, Jack, because that's something I wanted to – ask Garrett about like we're saying how Trace can be a leader of a football team like we saw him do that at Penn State and like the Ravens have been known to have like that vocal leader all throughout um, their prominence in this league and they've been pretty good for most part of since the early 2000s they were going to Super Bowls around then um, they had Ray Lewis as a vocal leader Ed Reed of course both Hall of Famers even Joe Flacco and then Terrell Suggs for many, many years who just left them this offseason. So now they're kind of in limbo where they have a relatively young, promising roster. They also brought in pieces like Earl Thomas, who could be that vocal leader on defense and in the locker room. But at the same time, he's been in the Ravens locker room for, what, three weeks now? So what say does he really have? So where does where are the Ravens heading in that direction in terms of who's really stepping up to be a vocal leader going forward? So... Earl Thomas is one to me who walked into the locker room and had instant respect. It was pretty impressive. And you could just get a sense pretty much immediately that he was going to be someone that players went to for advice and that they were thrilled to play with. You could just tell from the time he took the practice field that there was an intrigue and excitement 
from his teammates, most most significantly from his teammates, about playing alongside him. And so, you know, at the game on Thursday, it was the first time they introduced uh, the defense during during introductions, and Earl Thomas was the last guy out of the tunnel. Uh, during pregame warm-ups, Earl Thomas was the guy who gave the final fiery pump-up speech. You know, we've all seen the Ray Lewis speeches. Uh, it was Earl Thomas who gave that speech before the game. So I think he's going to have – that's going to be really important to him, um, and the Ravens are going to lean on him for that. And everything that you heard from Seattle was that, you know, Richard Sherman was somebody who, who got a lot of the attention, but in the locker room, it seemed like Earl Thomas was the guy in that secondary, that Legion of Boom secondary, who everybody kind of looked to and respected. And it, I can see that already in, in Baltimore. Uh, and then offensively, Marshall Yonda, uh, he doesn't say a ton, but when he talks, everybody listens, everybody perks up. Um, and then the, the really interesting leader is Lamar Jackson because, you know, he's not going to be a guy I wouldn't expect in the middle of a huddle uh, during pregame warmups trying to get everybody fired up. But what he has is everybody on the team sort of kind of gravitates towards him. Um, and it's remarkable to see just how much he, he can attract a crowd and audience. He's the Pied Piper. He's kind of the alpha. and um, He does it differently. Um, but everybody just – he has this magnetic personality. And so he's like a natural leader in that sense. Um, and I just think it's really interesting because he has a great connection with so many of the defensive guys on the team. And, and you don't always see that guys on opposite sides of the ball um, being great friends and, and having that great connection. Uh, but he has that. And I think that players have a ton of respect for him. Um, and he's another leader in his own sense. While it's not the pregame huddle, you know, firing speeches, he's a leader in that way. Lamar, I mean, I don't even know where to start on Lamar. He so so we draft him on a Thursday night in the NFL draft. We come back in, get him first or in the first round. From the Eagles, um, actually. We traded you that pick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, fast forward preseason game, not this season, the his rookie season. He scores a you know, a rushing touchdown that was pretty electric. So on the Snapchat I started labeling him as the baby goat. You know, he's not quite at Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers goat level, but he's the baby goat. He's going to grow into it. And then obviously Joe has his injuries and Lamar steps in, goes six and one, struggles, but then makes a nice comeback in the playoffs. And somehow after 12 months, I have become, it's not even my investment in Lamar. It's just become the whole thing with the Snapchat. I post something about Lamar, the baby goat. I get hundreds of replies. I The run the other night against the Packers, I get DM that video on Instagram from 150 different people. Like I am all in on Lamar. And it started as just kind of like a fun thing. Now it's essentially my life is on this big success of Lamar. <laughs> But at when I was at training camp with you, he just gets it. Like there's there's almost no way to describe the type of leader he is. A lot of people you have Brady who's a vocal leader, you have other people who are quiet. I thought the way you described it as a magnetic, like people just they want to be around him for whatever reason. But I'm curious with your job, you know, posting social media. So when I post a Lamar highlight, all I get is he can't throw, he's a running back, he can't throw. So, like, when you posted the highlight, and I saw you post it again today of the run against Green Bay, are there generally happy comments or are there still a ton of haters out for Lamar? 
So it's interesting. The one big difference I would say is that for your platform, Shaq, you have a fan base of people who are all across the country and the world. And so it's not just Ravens fans. And so when you get outside of Baltimore, you probably have more negativity. Um, even within Baltimore, there's some people that, that are haters and doubters. Um, so I would say in terms of the balance of positive to negative comments, we're probably much more on the positive side uh, than you would see. Um, but inevitably, if we post a photo or a highlight on Instagram, we're going to get comments like, you know, he's a running back. Uh, Lamar can't throw. Mm-hmm. And then you almost have a battle that ensues in the comments between the Lamar supporters <laughs> and Lamar haters. And you just see people going back and forth at each other uh, in the comments. The other thing that I think is kind of interesting is I, I see it to be a bit of a generational thing where there's the younger generation. And, and I really notice this at training camp. I mean, kids that are 8, 9, 10, 14 go crazy for him. He, it's, I mean, I'm sure you saw it the day that you were there. There's just like this insane uh, love and adoration um, and interest in him, especially amongst the younger generation. Um, and so I think that that has probably impacted some of the social media consumption. Like, we know if we post a photo of Lamar Jackson, um, it's going to get an incredible amount of engagement. There's going to be comments about, you know, the football stuff, but just in general, the engagement is through the roof. So uh, it is, it is interesting to see like all the back and forth that goes on. And Lamar's funny about it because he sees it, he's heard it. Um, and he's heard it all. Lamar, and, like it doesn't Lamar posted on his Instagram story, a clip of him throwing the touchdown at Louisville and captioned it. I can't throw LOL. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so he, it, it really is funny because I feel like when social media first started, people, the athletes wanted to act like they didn't see any of the negativity and now they'll just address it head on and they'll right. even poke fun at themselves, which is great and shows it really does not bother him. I think, I think yeah. a good question to answer though is can he throw or what should <laughs> we expect from, from Lamar this season? I think, well, first, uh, answer yes, he can throw. <laughs> wow, wow, breaking news on the real sports plan. <laughs> this is going to Jackson, an NFL quarterback. Can Every throw. media outlet is going to have that quote with Eric Downing's <laughs> name attached. <so. laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. Um, and then in, in terms of what to expect from him, I think that he probably is going to throw for around 200 yards a game. Um, and he will probably run between 10 to 15 times. Um, you know, if the Ravens are up by, I don't know, if the Ravens are up three scores in a game. When, was, when do we go have, up three scores? We love, yes. we love playing it tight. The Ravens love 15-7 <laughs> games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, every game, every game at the end, it's like it's a nail biter, and you're and you're just on the edge of your seat. I feel like on some of these games, I, I go through, I have to like, you know, shower immediately after the game <laughs> because there's so much stress um, over the course of those three hours. But um, but but I think he's probably going to throw around for around 200 yards a game, and then probably run for I don't know 80. Yeah. Um, and that's probably – and that could be a really – and then also you add in that Mark Ingram probably going to run for 100 a game. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I think Mark Ingram could have his best statistical season of his career. I think that that is a real possibility. Um, so 
the Ravens offense will, will still be very much predicated on the running game. Um, and they are going to be a ball control offense. They're going to hold the ball 40 minutes a game, keep the defense off the field. Um, and where I think Lamar is going to make his biggest strides, he's going to be better at the easy ones. He's, you know, last year, if he was hitting, I don't know, let's say 70% of the easy ones, but have some, but now he's going to hit, I think he needs to hit 90% of the easy ones. And then he'll, he'll have maybe one to two 20-plus yard plays a game in terms of the deep throws. And that's with where Hollywood Brown comes into the mix. Um, I, I think that's kind of the key. They weren't hitting many of the big plays last year, rolling some of the big plays, um, hit some of those 10 to 15 yarders over the middle to Hayden Hurst uh, and Mark Andrews, uh, and then add in just hit the easy ones, and this offense is going to be really good. So. I know I sound like a homer, but I, I have really high hopes and expectations for him and his offense. And I think we've got a taste of it this preseason. And I think this is going to be a really good, really exciting team and offense to watch. So so as a non-homer, um, <laughs> my unbiased – I mean, I used me and Jack used to really go at it about Eagles-Ravens back then. Um it kind of stopped really. No, we still do. We just have to be friendly no, now that we. Yeah, no, it's become a little less personal. It become a little less personal now that we both have like one Super Bowl ring in our lifetime that like we well, experienced. I have two, but, right, but we're yeah. not counting that one. The, the early two thousand ones, <laughs> but like because like that was his thing. The Eagles can't win the Super Bowl. Blah 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 blah. But now I take a more realistic approach towards the Ravens and unbiasedly, like their offense is obviously one of the more interesting in football not even from a uh, just X's and O's standpoint, but even fantasy. Like, Jack, you were telling yeah. me something, this crazy um, uh, running QB stat yesterday. What was that? Yeah, so Garrett kind of just confirmed my number one sleeper pick or value <laughs> pick. is. So there's been five quarterbacks ever who have rushed, I want to say, it's something like 150 rush attempts in a season, so averaging almost 10 a game. And obviously Lamar's projected to run more for the most times ever, over 16 games. And those five quarterbacks actually ran, or sorry, those five quarterbacks all finished top five in fantasy quarterback. So I think Lamar's probably, Mm -hmm. if he stays healthy, a top five fantasy quarterback this season just because of that duel. Like you said, 200 yards passing and 100 uh, or 80 rushing. So I think Abe's question is going to be what is – like who's a good fantasy pick for the Ravens? You touched on Ingram. Yeah, I think that – well, I'll preface this by saying I'm a historically bad fantasy football player. So uh, take that with everything I said with a grain of salt. I feel like I spend all day kind of focused in the football world. And then when it comes time to like – you know, play fantasy with my friends. I don't put any time into it because I've been doing football all day and I don't really want to focus on it. Um, so, uh, but I think that, I, uh, I think that Mark Ingram is going to have a huge season. Um, I think that Mark Andrews is going to be an excellent player. I think Mark Andrews could put himself into the Pro Bowl conversation potentially this year. Like he, him and Lamar just seem to have it figured out. They have an incredible connection. Um, and I think he's going to have a great year. He might lead the team in, in targets and potentially, I don't know if he's going to lead the team in receiving, but he's going to get a ton of action. He's going to get a ton of targets. And then like even Gus Edwards as a second running back option is, is a intriguing guy because the Ravens are going to run the ball a ton. And so it's not just going to be Ingram. Gus Edwards is going to get a 
his share of the carries too. So um, both of those guys, all three of those guys, I think, you know, along with Lamar, could be some some good picks this year in fantasy. Totally. Um, all right. Let's go. I think because uh, the Real Sports fan will be very interested in kind of your journey to this point, will you just give us like a little recap of how you got to do social media for the Ravens and then maybe your the, the coolest part. So obviously everyone growing up wants to play in the games, but at the end of the day, not everyone can. So I would say – what is you know your favorite part of the job? What's the coolest part about being in the locker rooms or being around a team? Well, I knew pretty early on that uh, playing in the NFL was not going to be the cards <laughs> for me. <laughs> so uh, the quick backstory on me is I went I was a journalism major in college at Ohio University. Um, I got a job right out of college working for a TV station in Cleveland, Ohio, um, doing a little bit of everything, writing articles, doing non-air work, covering news, weather, sports, politics, traffic, all of it. Um, and I did that for about a year and a half, but I knew I always wanted to do sports. That was where my real interest lie was. And this opportunity opened with the Ravens back in 2011 as a staff writer. I applied. I, I got that job as a staff writer um, covering the team as a beat reporter for the team. Um, both from a written standpoint and from an on-camera video standpoint. Um, and I did that uh, for about five years. And then my role transitioned um, into what it is now, which is where I oversee the organization's social media strategy. Um, and I also still do the on-camera component um, of, of the job. So that hasn't changed, but I don't do the writing anymore. Um, so, you know, the social media world has exploded since I started with the Ravens in 2011. There was no Snapchat account. We didn't have an Instagram account. Um, Facebook and Twitter were still very much in their infancy um, and they weren't money makers or anything like that. Um, social media now, I always say, is the biggest window into our organization and it's our opportunity to reach the, the largest amount of fans in a split second um, compared to any other platform. And that just wasn't the case uh, 10, 15 years ago. So, um, it's been really exciting to be kind of on the cutting edge of the changing sports media landscape. Uh, it's been like super fulfilling just personally for me. Um, and then in terms of the best parts of, of working in the NFL and for the Ravens, I think you just get to be around some incredible people, um, in amazing circumstances. And I, like you, I just think about the people, not just the players, the players themselves, you know, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, these iconic but, you know, if you're doing the best 100 football players of all time, like they're on that list. Um, and to be able to interact with them on a daily basis is, is just an incredible opportunity. Um, but then just some of the other people that have like you come into contact with, like Muhammad Ali was at practice one day. Um, when we won the Super Bowl, we got to go to the White House and you're in the White House and you shake the president's hand. And it's just an incredible atmosphere. So, you know, having a front row seat um, to sports history and getting to interact with the people who are at the absolute top of their field um, is motivating. It's inspiring, and it's just really fun. No, I think I think that really speaks volume. What you just said about all the experiences you've had with uh, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, um, I think it just speaks volumes to how deep an NFL organization really runs to the point where you yourself are posting pictures of the players and us as fans we view the organization in a in a very micro-focused view as just the players because that's what we see. 
that's what the product on the field is. Inevitably, they want to win, and the fans want to win, and the players are the ones that try and win. So, But to know that you're experiencing all the things that the players are, like shaking the president's hand after they won the Super Bowl, like you're doing that as well because you make an impact on the organization. You meet Muhammad Ali at practice. I think that's just really cool and something that goes under the radar about um, people that work in the sports industry but aren't the players themselves. Yeah, and the Ravens, honestly, they, they are a first-class organization, so um, I don't know how it is everywhere, but, um, you know, like when we won the Super Bowl, they, they, they flew everybody and a family member down to the game. Um, and so those types of things, you know, I don't take for granted uh, because I just recognize that it's, it's pretty rare to have that type of connection, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a special place to work for sure. You talked about talk, you know, being around Ed and, and Ray and all of them. You yourself work on your own podcast, The Lounge, right? Yes, um, yes. So we wanted to obviously shout out The Lounge. Where can, where can people find The Lounge? It's like on all your standard podcast uh, subscription services, iTunes, um, you know, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. Um, but yeah, the format is, uh, it's obviously Ravens focused, a lot of mostly long form interviews with a variety of guests, current players, former players. Uh, and then also uh, the co-host and I just kind of breaking down where things stand with the team at various points uh, throughout the season. And we do it on a weekly basis. We've been doing it for three years now, so it's it's, it's the podcast is a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> we're about we're about three months, but it is fun. And Garrett's our second guest, and he came on to our our championship podcast. Abe and I were in a uh, charity basketball tournament yesterday. We took home the title, so you you, you came in for a big episode. Uh, nice, a lot of pressure here. A lot, a of, lot pressure. of pressure. Before we let you go. Uh, the real question we've all been waiting for is the prediction for Thursday's game. <laughs> what what are we thinking? Well, I mean, we already talked about the preseason streak. It's been 15 straight, Yeah, right? but you said um, I might have so, jinxed it, so. <laughs> I think Abe was the one who was really kind of more worried about that. I think there's no reason to see that it comes to an end. I think that the streak stays alive. Is Carson Wentz playing, by the way? It sounds like he might not play. Yeah, I'm not really sure how much uh, Carson's going to play on Thursday. Selfishly, as a fan, I'd love for him to play. I mean, he is healthy. So, to me, me and Jack were talking about this. It's, like, important that um, Carson, like, gets experience on the field in live game action before just getting thrown into it. I mean, he got hurt week 12, 13 late in the season, missed the rest of the year, the entire offseason. He came back in OTAs and training camp fine. But, like, I feel like you need that kind of experience um, whether or not they'll take it safe with him, uh, I don't know. I would love to see him for a series or two, but with or without him, I mean, we did just bring in McCown, and I'm sure they want to get him reps thrown in the offense. But with or without him, I mean, the Ravens' preseason record is what it is. Um, I, I, I would love the Eagles to win, and I'm not going to pick against them, but who knows? Hopefully I see Carson. I said I think it needs to happen. Right. Even one series. How many series will Lamar get, Garrett? I would think it'll be pretty similar to what it was last game. Like the Ravens don't structure their preseason playing time. Um, the kind of the old traditional model of like a series, then a quarter, then a half. 
Um, they do it a little bit more balanced out over the three games. So um, I think he got three series last game, and I believe it was the same the previous week, maybe two series. Um, so I think that he'll basically play the first quarter, maybe into the second quarter. If you know, I think also it depends on like how the how the game goes. If they go out there in the first two series and they march down the field on ten play touchdown drives, they'll probably say, "All right, that's enough." But if they go three and out, three and out, um, they'll probably he'll probably stay in there a little bit longer. So I, I think it's more of a you know, I think it'll probably be about a quarter of work, um, but not much more than that. All right. I agree. I, I agree with your pick also, Ravens 50, <laughs> Eagles 0. That was a good pick. Um, well, thank you for coming on, Garrett. All right, Garrett. We we got we need one more pick out of you. Uh, we had our first guest, Joe, on the podcast, who's Jack's buddy, played Texas basketball. We made him make a Super Bowl pick on the spot. I think he went with uh, Chief Saints, which was a – which was a juicy pick, pretty popular pick. Uh, so we need your Super Bowl pick on the spot. Yeah, he picked Chiefs Saints, if I'm not mistaken. Pretty chalky pick, but but you know, should I get, should I go with the Homer pick and go Ravens? Why don't, why don't we go Ravens Rams? And then of course, we'll- okay. See, I'm not high on the Rams. Even yeah. I don't love them to come back. Yeah. Uh, is, is, there's I mean, still good things being said about them. I mean, they are. You know, the Rams are still really good with a great coach. Um, they might fall back a little bit, but the Saints. It, it's early, uh, but I could I could absolutely see the Rams being right there again. McVay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have the best player in the league in Aaron Donald, um, and they have a, a a great coach, a good, really good quarterback, and you know, it's. That's a good recipe. All right, Real Sports fam. Thank you for listening to our special guest, Garrett Downing. You can find – I mean, first of all, if you guys aren't following the Ravens on all social media accounts, Snap, Instagram, mostly Snap because that's our favorite platform. <laughs> but Twitter, do it all, follow him. And then Garrett, Garrett, what's your Twitter handle? Um, I am uh, GDowning14. G Downing 14. He's also the face of some beautiful shows and recaps. So you can check his, his talent. He's not the only behind the scenes guy. But thank you guys for listening to episode 21, the greatest number 21s in Ravens history. I'm thinking Lardarius Webb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Chris McAllister. Chris McAllister. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Real Sports fam. Peace.